Okay, we're in the second week of a series uh, called What Did You Expect? And uh, this is a series about marriage. So even if you missed last week, hopefully I can catch you up real quick. Because we believe that one of the most important things we can talk about is what the Bible talks about. We've, we spent like 31 weeks talking about an overview of Scripture. And now we're in a three-week series, in the middle of three weeks here, talking about some things. And we talked about this whole thing of how in our relationships, uh, one of the big issues that really causes us problems is when we get married is, is we come into marriage with, with a box of stuff and you're called, oh, where's it at? No, I was wrong. Nate's, Nate's right. Okay, here we go. Uh, we come into marriage with a bo- big box of stuff called desires. Uh, and we walk down the aisle with our box of desires, uh, things that God gives us. Oh, excuse me, wrong one. You know, if I could read, I could look at the front of the box and it's, okay, here we go. Right box, okay. Thank you. I'll get it right second service. It's supposed to be over there. See, that's a problem. Uh, and we walk down the aisle with our box of desires. Both persons has it. And as you, you get married, and when you have this box of desires, they're good stuff. You know, things that God gives us, things like, and I've talked about things like, you know, uh, you know we want to spend a certain amount of time together uh, when you get married. And some of those desires are things like, you know, we want to spend you know, this much of time together and we want to spend this much separate and we want to have some, you know, time ourselves. You know, all people have all kinds of desires in regard to things. We might have desires like, uh, you know, we grew up in an idea and with like all of us have roles in our families, we think. You know, and so we might have this idea that our wife's supposed to do this, you know, clean the house or whatever, and you're supposed to do this. That's the desire you might have. Or you might have a desire to have certain things, you know, like down the road. Uh, you know, we had a bunch of these up here a while ago. You know, this is a diaper, by the way. You couldn't see it from way back there. But, you know, I talk to people as they're getting married, and they talk about this whole thing about, you know, what is my, I ask them, you know, how many kids are you planning on having? Or do you have one plan? So they'll say, I like to plan on having one child or two children, or I think there's enough kids in the world already, or, you know, whatever, whatever the deal is. I mean, I've had people tell me that before, too. That's fine. You know, whatever your desire is in regard to that. Or, you know, I shared another one, you know, about stuff. You know, someday we'll be able to own something that looks as cool as this car. You can't really see it, but this is a really nice car, you know. And we, we drive clunkers now, but, you know, it's, you know, it's something like that. Or we might have desires like, and I shared it sometimes, some husbands come into marriage <clears throat> and they, they have a desire that their wife will never wear anything that looks like this. Ever, ever, ever. Or, or, or the wife will have a desire and it's going like, well, my husband will love me so much that it doesn't matter what I wear to bed as long as I'm comfortable. Whatever the deal is. And so we have all these desires. And I shared with you that the problem is, as long as their desires, things that we hope to have happen, we become grateful for those things when they do happen. But when they, what happens soon after we get married, though, we dump them into another box so often. And it's the expectation box. And it's a different box. And we put all these things into this box here. And then we, as they go into from a desire, something we'd like to see happen into an expectation, it becomes the measure of how our marriage is. It's conditional. It's based upon this idea that, well, if they meet these expectations, my marriage will be fine. And so the problem with expectations is, and we talked about this last week. If you didn't hear one here last week, you can go on the podcast and listen because it was a whole 30-minute uh, uh, explanation of this problem we have. The problem when it goes in the expectation box, and we think it's an expectation, the problem is when we meet the expectation, um, there's no gratitude. It's just we're at zero. We've met the mark. We're at the standard. And so too many marriages are based upon this whole idea of like we have these expectations that we need to deal with. And so what happens when it's an expectation and not a desire is that certain things erode in a relationship. 
Things like romance, things like sense of community, intimacy, all those things. And so all we try to do in those type of marriages when it's based upon expectations is just manage our expectations. But I asked you a question last week, and I better look at this. Okay, desires. Okay, here it is. Uh, I asked you a question. What if? What if we could have marriages where we took all the stuff that's in this expectation box and put it back into the desire box? What would a marriage look like? And I shared with you that what's going to happen is we're going to talk about how Scripture tells us this week and next week. The Scripture tells us about how to do that. And a marriage where instead of trying to live up to the expectations of the other person, our goal was to fulfill the desires of the other person. The things that, that they desire. And, and the question, I gave you a question. I gave you homework last week. You know, I don't usually do this, but I gave you homework. I asked you to read three verses of Scripture. Ephesians 5, 21, 22, and 25. Just three verses. It doesn't take long. Like a minute. Okay? And then I asked you one question. And the question was this. What does your spouse owe you? What does your spouse owe you? Mm-mm-mm. I wonder what your, if you did your homework, I wonder what your answer is. Because the, there is only, I believe from Scripture, only one answer. I, I remember I did, actually did a series, similar series, uh, about nine years ago. And, and in that time, I asked some folks, and I had some people come up to me, some people who have been married a large number of years. I remember this one guy, uh, not longer than I've been married. And I've been married 33 plus years now. And the thing is, is that, is that when, when, uh, when they answered that question, I remember the person come up to me and had me a list. And the list, he said, I, I did my homework, Pastor. I love people to do their homework and actually write it out and give me, oh, wow, what obedient church people, you know. Uh, but the thing is, they came and gave me their list, and I'm going, oh, man, this is going to be in trouble. They gave me a list, and I'm going, okay. So I looked at the list, and it said, the answer was, and the person, I'm not going to name the person, but the thing is, is they said, this is a list, and here's what it is. It says, what does your spouse owe you? And the first one was absolutely nothing. Number two, nothing. Number three, ultimately nothing. And it was nothing, 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 nothing. That's the answer. The answer from a biblical perspective in regard to marriage is your spouse does not owe you anything. They don't owe you anything. Now, I know, I know you're going to have some pushback today, and, and that's fine, Okay? You can just deal with it, okay? But the issue is, I want to explain to you, and I want to explain to you from Scripture why that's true. Why that's true, that your spouse really doesn't owe you anything. Because God says that we're to live our lives if we're Christian marriage. And I have to give you this introductory statement. This answer only applies to you if you're a Christian. Only applies to you if you're a Christian. I'll just say that right up front. Because if you're not a Christian, and I'm glad that you're here if you're not, and you're exploring Christ, because we have people every week that come to Great Oaks who are exploring next steps with God. But I want to share with you this morning that if you're not a Christian, um, you can't really answer the question, nothing. Because as we look at Scripture this morning, we'll understand that as a person who's not put your faith in Christ yet, you still have lots of questions, but... This answer that I give you this morning, this description of marriage, is a biblical discussion of what, a, what it looks like for Christians in a relationship. But you don't have to understand, um, to be a Christian, to understand the dilemma of this expectations and the desires. 
And all I can say to you is this. If you're not a Christian this morning, the best probably that I can give you, the best thing I can do for you is, is to help you to understand that probably, as we described last week, the, the solutions to the problem of what do we do if, if the expectations collide, the two big eyes. This is not a line eye, by the way, okay? This is, uh, remember, or Iowa or anything like that. That's two big eyes, two big eyes. We come into marriage, two big eyes. I want this, and I want this, and they collide. And when they collide, we can, we can deal with it in different ways. And the thing is, for a non-Christian, basically the best I think you can do is just manage expectations. You can compromise. That's the best you can do. Because marriage, in a sense, from a biblical perspective for Christians, has a different element in it we're going to talk about this morning. And the only way I know to solve this is the Christian way. Because the Bible tells us in Psalm 37, 4, it says this. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God has placed in our heart desires. It says it from Genesis all the way through that God has made us in a certain way that we have desires. God-given desires. We have desires to be loved, to be trusted, all those type of things in our life. But, but what I'm going to tell you today... Um, that Scripture tells us in these three little verses that I had you to read last week, we're going to look at today, revolutionizes marriage. See, the Bible answers the question, how do you keep the expectation box empty and the desire box full? They answer it in such a way uh, that it says clearly, what does my spouse owe me? Nothing. And before you push back, I want to tell you something about a Christian marriage. Sometimes we, we have this wrong idea about what a Christian marriage is. We have this idea that a Christian marriage is kind of like every other marriage, except uh, we do things in a Christian, people do things, when they don't understand what Scripture says, they think a Christian marriage is, is, is where you throw uh, Bible darts. You know what Bible darts are? Bible darts are like this, you know, it's where we try to control the other person and we try to get the other person to do what we want them to by throwing out a verse of Scripture. And we simply say things like, uh, the Bible says you're supposed to love me. And so we throw the dart and we say, hey, you're supposed to do that because the Bible says it. Or, or we say things like, you're supposed to submit. And they throw, Shh, you throw the dart. And you're constantly using the Bible to, to try to control the other person or direct the other person in a relationship. And the problem with that, that is not a Christian marriage according to Scripture. What that is, that's just an eye marriage with a cross hanging around its neck. That's all it is. It's just trying to use the Bible to convict and control the other person. And the only way to empty this expectation box and to put it back over in the desire box, the only way to do that is to decide that your spouse doesn't owe you anything. And where, I come, where that comes from is what we're going to look at today. Where do I get that from? Ephesians 5.21, which says that the concept is not just... It's, it, in, in 5.21, it's not just there, but it's throughout Scripture. The answer... To the, to the issue of marriage isn't to turn the marriage around and simply to say, well, okay, it's not going to be about I anymore, about me. Now for me, and my wife's name is Vicki, it's going to be a V marriage. Okay, not an I marriage, it's going to be a V marriage. And for her, it's going to be a B marriage because I'm Bill. You know, I'm going to turn it around and so it's going to be focused on the other person. We think that's really biblical, right? It sounds really good. But the issue is, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture doesn't say the answer to the marriage is that you invite a third party into the marriage and they become front and center in your relationship and it changes everything. In Ephesians 5.21 it says this. And some of you have read this and you just don't want to... You, you wish you could wipe this verse out of Scripture because you've misinterpreted what it says. And so many people have used this to abuse the marriage in so many ways. But this is what it says. Submit to one another... 
Because your husband is great. Right? Is that what it says? Or your wife is fantastic. That's why you submit to the other person. No, it's not what it says. It says submit to, the, to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Hmm. What does that mean? Submit. The word submit there basically means I'm going to make your desires, your wishes, and your dreams the priority over mine. And it's not because of what you think because the other person deserves it. It's not because, that's not what scripture says in Ephesians 5.21. It doesn't say do it because the other person deserves it. You don't submit to one another, not out of reverence for one another. You, know, you would expect the Bible to say that because that's kind of what we think about. But, and, and if you're not a Christian, that is what you're left to do. I'm going to try to put you first. And Paul says, no, I want you to submit to the other person. Not out, but I want you to do it out of reverence. Out of, you know what reverence means? Ah. It's just this incredible uh, impact that something has on your life. It's, there's reverence. Uh, for, for, it says do it for Christ because out of reverence for Christ. In light of what he has done for you, God says in Scripture, he says, I want to show reverence and submit to your, sp- you submit to your spouse. And now, this is a powerful concept. And I want to flesh it out for a few minutes today as we talk about this and how it, how it works in, in reality. So let me just kind of give you a conversation with God that sometimes we have. You may have had conversations with God exactly like this. I hope you have. Because you need to think through this. Thing. For instance, it's kind of like this. God, I am so grateful. You become a Christian. You accept Christ. And you say, God, I am so grateful for what you have done to me. You've forgiven me of my sins. And I used to be a jerk. But now I'm not quite as big a jerk as I used to be because of what you've done, God, in my life. Um, You've given me exactly what I don't deserve, which is forgiveness and grace and mercy and all those things. Uh, You've not punished me for all the promises I broke to you, and I continue to do so. Um, And then you say, God, I'm so grateful. What can I do to show you how grateful I am for what you've done for me? You ever had a conversation with God like that? If you're a believer in Christ, you should. Because we want to know, how can we express our gratefulness and our love to God for what he's done for us? That's what we normally do to somebody who's done something for us. But God's done the greatest thing of all time. He's forgiven us for all our sins. He's given us a new start. So God says to us, this this is his answer to us, based upon the scripture that I just read. He says, I want you to take all your passion... And all of your gratitude you have toward me. And I want you to channel it toward that individual that I brought into your life called your spouse. You're going, no, God, that's not how it works. No, this is about you and me, God. Just you and me. Just, you know, I'm not talking about... No. And you're going, you, you did something for me. I want to express my gratitude to you, my thanksgiving back to you. And God says, I heard you the first time. You know, God hears all things. He knows, and it's not unlike our spouse sometimes that doesn't always hear it the first time. Right? Because they listen. Um, so, and we say to God, we try to, we kind of negotiate with God. Well, God, is there anything else I can do to kind of prove my love? I mean, can I get 11% instead of tithe? Can I, can I, can I go on a mission trip? Can I, you know, can I feed the, 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 the poor? Can I do something like that? You mean, God, that I can't have a lousy marriage? 
and, and, not get, and still have something going with you that's good? And have your blessing on my life? You know, why, God, do you want to bring my spouse into this? And God says, no. He said, the way that I've more than anything else want you to, to express your love to me is through pouring that passion and that desire that you have to love me and to serve me into the person that's closest to you. That's what it says in Ephesians 5.21. We love our spouse, we submit to our spouse not because they deserve it, but because we do it for reverence for God. See, it only works for believers. But that's the first thing that we have to understand about marriage. In other words, God says to us, you know, do for her what I did for you. Do for him what I did for you. And what did God do for us? He said, I want you to take this debt-free relationship that we have, God and you and God. And remember, God says, how I canceled all the debt for you. Remember uh, that you don't owe me anything. Yeah, God, that's a great thing about being a Christian. Isn't it? You know, we're forgiven, we're free. We have all this, you know, this, this grace, this love. No payback, you canceled all the debt. And God says, yeah, I want, to, want you to take that, that kind of relationship, that kind of thing that's going on with you between you and me, and I want you to apply it to your marriage. And just as I have declared you don't owe me anything, I want you to declare that your wife or your husband doesn't owe you anything either. That's why I say that the answer to the question, what does your spouse owe you, is nothing. Because God says to us clearly, this is not gray, this is black and white in Scripture, that, that he wants our marriages to reflect the relationship that he has with us. That's why we read that verse last week, remember it, that later on in Ephesians 5, that says... That says uh, that we're to love one another and, and that marriage is a mystery and, and all those things we talked about last week. He says, I want you to submit for my sake out of reverence for you. And then he gets specific. He gets really specific. Don't you hate it when God gets specific? It's kind of good when God's vague. You know, you can kind of interpret it any old way you want to. But he gets specific. That's why I told you to read the other two verses this last week. In Ephesians 5.22, he first talks to wives. I don't know why wives. Okay, it's Mother's Day, so he said put women first. Okay. Okay. He says this in 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. God says, you know how to submit to me? Yes, Lord, but it's easy to submit to you because of what you've done for me. Because I am so grateful to you, God, it's easy to submit to you. But he says, I want you to take all that energy and I want you to channel it towards your husband. And we'll argue and say, well, God, have you been paying attention? I mean, you know, do you know my husband? Uh, yeah, but he, it's not about he, God's saying. I want you to do it out of reverence for me, God, to love him the way I love you. And then he goes on and talks to the husbands. He says in Ephesians 5.25, a couple of verses later, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know what he's saying? God is saying to us, he's got to say, Guys, love your, your wives just like Christ loves you. Not about how lovable she is. Okay? Now, I'm not saying, guys and girls, that your husbands and your wives are unlovable. 
But we all are, guess what? We're all sinners. We did not marry perfect persons. We did not marry God. And so sometimes, even after, you know, 33 plus years of marriage for me personally, I have a great marriage, but it's not a perfect marriage. Sometimes my wife just irritates the fool out of me. And I know that a lot of times I irritate the fool out of her. Oh, Pastor Bill. Can't believe that. <laughs> Guess what? You know, folks, you know, just because just I'm up here and leaving the church doesn't mean I don't have problems. Sometimes, you know, I'm going like, wow, this is Mother's Day. I forgot to get a card. <laughs> I really did. Because, you know, my, my thought this week, we had, and this is my excuse, this is my excuse. This is the week my youngest son graduated from college yesterday. We spent the whole week trying to do, we're trying to help him move next week to, to St. Louis. We're doing all this, I got all this stuff going on in my life, I can't keep up with stuff. That's my excuse. What a poor excuse. So my wife's going to be all bummed out. She's not here this service, she'll be here next service, by the way. And I won't say anything next service, okay? <laughs> About that at all. So, you know, but guys, you know, it, it, God is saying to us, love your wives like Christ loved you, not about how lovable you are. You know, did Christ love you because you, everything is perfect in your life? No. Not about what she's earned or deserved. God says, I want you out of reverence for Christ. I want you to take all of your passion, your love, and channel it toward your wife. And this is specifically how I want you to do it. I want you to lay down your life for her because I laid down my life for you. That's what Scripture says. You know what that means, guys? You know what that means? I'm just talking to guys for a minute, okay? Because this is where we're not real good. It means we have to learn to communicate with our wives. And communicating, I hate to tell you this, doesn't mean talking all the time. You know what the definition I give in premarital counseling to couples that come into my office is that communication is this, listening with understanding. It's listening to understand. Not just listening for content. Listening to understand what the other person feels and thinks and you have to be there. And I'm sorry, you can't do it over Facebook or Twitter. Because the, the, the uh, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with those in context. Kind of. Uh, but the issue is, is that, you know, there's so much of conversation that's nonverbals. That's not having nothing to do with words. And you can't tell that by texting somebody. So we have to learn to communicate because if we are going to lay down our lives, we're going to, to express and submit and, 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 you know, we've got to lay down our gadgets and our plans and our schedule on, on God's on her behalf when it becomes necessary. And we have to learn what it is that makes them feel like they're a priority in our lives. We have to do that. See, the issue, issue is not if they deserve it or not. The issue is this. If you're a believer in Christ, your desire should be, and my desire should be, to follow Christ as closely as possible. Right? Right? Y'all not responding this morning. This is the right thing. This is okay. Come on. You know, this is all right. I know this is great, Oaks. We don't respond too much. A couple of weeks ago, somebody totally freaked me out and said amen. You know, and I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't even focus for the rest of the message because I was thinking they were going to talk again. No, that's not true. Okay. But the issue is, the issue is, is that that's what we were trying to do. So the issue is not they deserve it. Not because, no, this is the issue. There was a time 2,000 years ago when God decided that he would lay down his priorities 
and his schedule and what was most precious to him on your behalf and my behalf. And he says, that's what I want you to do to your spouse. And we go, whoa, God, you know, how do I say thanks for what you've done because of that? He says, once again, he says, go lay down your life for your spouse. It's the best demonstration of gratitude that you could show me. So God says, I want you men, you ladies, to take this debt-free relationship, and I want you to apply it to your relationship in marriage. Imagine what that would look like if we really took that seriously. Really. Imagine what that would look like if we took that seriously. And we're going, God, it's tough, you know. It's asking a whole lot because, no, well, and God says, well, as long as there's two big eyes in the room looking at each other, just it's all about me, it's all about me, two big eyes, it's going to be asking a lot. But as a Christian, you don't conduct your, your, your marriage in the shadow of two big eyes. As a Christian, you conduct your marriage in the shadow of a cross. And in the cross, we know this. God says, I died for you, and I want you to say thank you to me. And it's not about an ooey-gooey feeling that you have when you sing a worship song or, 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 or a couple of tears on a Sunday morning. Or uh, That's easy. That's spontaneous. You, I want you to say thank you to me. Pour out your gratitude to me. Go home and channel all that gratitude right into the life and heart and soul of the man or woman, whether you think they deserve it or not. Because that's what I did for you. I want you to listen. This is to what I'm about to say as I kind of finish up here. Because this is so important. Do you know why God designed marriage that way? Do you know why he designed it that way? Because it wasn't enough for God just to simply die on a cross. He wants to demonstrate in our, in our lives. He wants, he's so interested in us knowing how much he loves us that he has designed marriage to be this tangible way of giving us a taste of what it means to have a relationship with a loving God. That means this, that this is what God wants me to do. And I'm talking to myself, with you personally now. This is what God wants me to do. God created marriage. God wants me, wants Vicki, my wife, to know his visible, tangible love for him so much that he put me into her life as a channel and an instrument of his love to her. And where she will experience God's love the best in all of her adult life will not be through anything except for through me. God has chosen me to be a visible, tangible expression, touchable expression of his love for her. And he loves me so much that he's placed her in my life that, that she might do the same thing and I might see experience love in the real sense, unconditional love in the real sense through her to me. And so I see the closest approximation of what God's love is for us is supposed to be through our marriage relationship. You're going, whoa, man, that's heavy. Yeah, it is. But that's how much God loves us. And that's how much he loves everybody in this room. And that's why he designed marriage the way it is. That is why he says, look, I want you to love them not the way they deserve to be loved, but the way that I love you out of gratitude and reverence for me. Because I want them to know how much I love them. See, 
He says to me and to you, you are my number one tool in demonstrating my love for your spouse. Number one. And before you get all intimidated and freaked out about that, I want you to turn around and ask yourself, wouldn't you like to have that coming toward you? I mean, you know, you know, you know, yeah, empty the, empty the box, honey. Uh, get rid of that big eye. Uh, pour out the love of Jesus on me. Wouldn't you like that? All of us would love that. See, that's the way God designed our marriages. It sounds good. Imagine a marriage where it goes both ways. That's the ideal. That's what God has done for us. When a, when a man or a woman decides to empty this box, this expectation box, by saying you don't owe me anything, because it's not about me and, it's, and, and you, it's about what God has done for us. Because of that, it changes everything about the relationship. It's no longer a contract. I will if you will. I'll compromise if you'll compromise. That kind of thing. See, that's the mysterious part of marriage that God we talked about uh, last week. That's what God wants us to do and can do in our future, even in our current marriage. Now, I want to say this. I know the pushback, and I've heard this before. It doesn't mean that I'm callous to this. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I've cried with people through all kinds of issues in, in relationships. People don't call me up when things are great in their marriage. Hey, Pastor Bill, let me tell you, my marriage is going great. I just wanted to let you know. Thank you for that. Never happened. Never happens. You know, when I get a call, things are horrible. Usually by the time it's gotten so far, it's really bad. That's usually when I get a call. So the thing is, people never do it. See, we are more like a hospital here than, 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 a, you know, than anything else. People call when they have a need. I know that. And I know what the pushback is. Bill, that's great. And I'm glad that you and Vicky are doing fine and I'm happy for you. But you don't know my husband. You know, you should have seen what he was like before I got a hold of him and helped him. <laughs> or you don't know my wife. You know, she can't handle five bucks. And if I don't keep a tight rein on her, yeah, she will mess up everything. I've heard that. I'm, I know that may be partially true. And I know you're afraid that if you took everything out of this expectation box and put it into the desire box, that, that things would really mess up. I'm afraid that if you took everything, that this would happen. Or I'm concerned that she might do this or he might do that. I know you're going, Bill, it sounds great, but I'm telling you, this is huge. Look, let me just say this. You know, you know what you call it when you try to control someone else's behavior by putting um, them on a shorter or longer leash in a relationship? You know what it's called? Parenting. How many of you signed up for parenting when you got married? Another parent. You need a third parent. Anybody here did that? You know, you want another parent. That's what happens when we try to control the other spouse and we try to do those things. That's what happened. See, as long... My spouse, I know that Vicky did, as long as I, through my expectations, try to manage someone's behavior, that is the parenting model, not the marriage model. And if you get into this dynamic with your husband or your wife, you will never, ever, ever experience unconditional love. 
You cannot express it or recognize it in this kind of relationship. When they do something good, it's because I let them, or, or they are not feeling loved, You're, they're just meeting expectations. This is not what God intended for us to do or to, or to do in a relationship. You cannot give or receive unconditional love in this kind of relationship where people are just kind of meeting expectations. Now, I want to tell you this, what I'm talking about here, about this thing of emptying the expectation box and the desire box and, 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 and living in a submitting to one another i want to tell you this is no guarantee that it's going to work like it's not going to it's not a formula you heard the sermon on on sunday and and you applied it on monday and wednesday everything's hunky-dory you know just doesn't happen that quick right but if you're afraid to empty the box and declare that your spouse doesn't owe you anything if that scares you i want to say this as long as you hang on tight you do not have the potential in a relationship to give or experience unconditional love. There's no potential for it without doing it God's way. No potential. That's your only, your only hope of having the marriage that God wants you to have is for you to apply God's principles to your relationship. For letting God invade the relationship and bring about the change where you focus on and submitting to one another out of reverence for God instead of looking at what they expect or, or what they deserve. And you can't have the kind of marriage God wants you to have in that relationship until you decide, even if it's only me, I'm going to have a Christian marriage. No more Bible darts, no more parenting, no more you're in my debt because of this. It can only happen when at least one person decides, I am going to no longer, I am no, I'm going to create the potential for God to create something unusual in my marriage and I'm going to be the first one to do it. What if all this stuff in this box? Was placed back over here and it never came out again. What would your marriage look like? And while it's in this box, how, what do you do with it? We're going to talk about that next week. Because God's word does say, what do we do with the desires of our heart as well? See, until the end, until you decide to do it God's way, and that's your decision. You can have a compromised marriage. That might be the best. Outside of God's plan, compromise is the best you can do. But it's not God's plan for your relationship. But when you follow God's design, it's an invitation to get God involved. And it will revolutionize the one relationship that's more important than any other relationship upon this earth. Did God place your spouse there for something important? My prayer is that all of us would experience, all of us would experience the love of God through our spouse. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.